Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. For as many as received him, to them he gave the rights to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Very warm welcome to you on this day. Good morning. Today we bring down the curtain on our current teaching series, Discover God's Will. I'm mindful of Jesus' words in Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. When we seek God, we put God first, then God will take care of the rest. So it's in that spirit that we gather here. Good morning to those worshiping in-house. It's good to see you out and about through the snow. You brave ones, <laughs> you made it. Hey, good morning, Balcony. How are you doing up there? Good to see you. Thanks, yeah. And especially want to give a shout out to those online. We have many online, many more than normal because of the weather here in Tip City on this winter day. If you're worshiping online today, I want to say that you're right here with us. If you'll give a shout out online right now, perhaps put something in the chat to Pastor John, our online pastor, or reach out on Facebook to Laura and Carolyn, who are on there as well. But we're glad that you are worshiping with us today as we wrap up our teaching. Next week, we're going to launch off into a really exciting new series. But today, as we begin, I'm thinking about a game show that took place many, many years ago. It was popular in the late 1960s and early 70s, and then came back after the year 2000 and went another round. It was called Let's Make a Deal. Have you ever heard of that? I actually mentioned it last week in passing. It made me think of it for this message. Monty Hall was the original host, and then after the year 2000, Wade Brady came back on the remake. You can get online and you can watch it today. Fascinating, fascinating game show where contestants would dress up in outrageous costumes in order to get the attention of the host, where they would be brought up on the stage and they were faced with decisions. They would have all kinds of decisions to make. One popular scene of the show was the contestant would stand in front of three doors and Monty Hall would say, you can keep the cash or you can choose door number one, door number two, door number three. I'm just curious, those in the room, how many have seen this show, at least on reruns before? Google it today. Have a little fun because they had to take a chance. They had to take a risk. Should they keep the money or should they go to one, two, or three? Now, it could be behind that door a dream car or a dream vacation, but also behind that door. It could be like a goat in the original show or a year's supply of sauerkraut or something like that. <laughs> now, when you heard around Christmas that in the new year, I was going to be doing a teaching series on discovering God's will, some of you thought, wow, that's great. Because you see, Pastor Dennis, I've got some big decisions to make in 2023. I've got some career decisions to make. Should I leave the current job that I'm in and take this new position? 
But if I take this new position, that means I would have to move. And if I have to move, then I would probably have to sell my house. And should I sell the house or should I not? And of course, for some, this job may be out of state. Should I move my out of my home here in Ohio to go to another state. I just don't know what to do. Please tell me, Pastor, what to do. Please tell. Or maybe it's not that at all regarding a career. Maybe it's who should I give the next rose to? Is it bachelor number one, bachelor number two, bachelor number three? God, I just need to know. Now, I want to say that if that's been you, Perhaps you've been disappointed in this series. I pray not. But nowhere in this series or even today am I going to be able to tell you whether you should quit your job or if you should take another job. Nowhere in this series have I been able to share with you whether or not you are to leave him or, or marry her. Nowhere in this series have you heard that you should leave Ohio and move to California. Somebody right now is saying, wait a minute, he said California. How do he know California? That must be a sign. I mean, he wouldn't have thought of California. He would have said Illinois. Why California? That's it. Stop. (laughs) Cease. God's will is much more about who you are and who you're becoming than where you go and what you do. Write that down in your spirit. God's will for your life is a whole lot more about who you are than what you do or where you go. And today we're going to discover that as we look at Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to this New Testament letter. Just turn into the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's the Gospels, Acts, History of the Church, then Romans, the first letter that's listed there. And we look at Romans chapter 12. If you have a phone with a Bible app, just go ahead and put Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And let me just read a little bit of these familiar words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let me just stop right there. In view of God's mercy. Now, let's put this into context. Remember, when the Apostle Paul was writing these letters, he did not have chapter and verse. That was later added by the church, the exact chapter. This is chapter 12. This is chapter 13. It was just one long letter. And so if we study up to this point, the first 11 chapters, we see that Paul is laying out the case for why we need God, why we are not righteous on our own. And the first 11 chapters makes a case for the grace of God, for the mercy of God. Verses that we often highlight when we're teaching out of Romans would be Romans 3.10, there's none not righteous, no not one, uh, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the standard of God, the wages of sin, here's another one, what's due to us is spiritual death and so forth. So he lays out this case, then he lays out the case for Christ and how we are made right to God through Christ. And that's in these first 11 chapters. Then he gets to this therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, we have to ask, why is that therefore, (laughs) right? It's a pivotal point. He's laid out the case. 
Now he says, now because of who you are, because you are one in Christ, you are not your own, you've been bought with a price. That price was heavy, it was free to you, but it cost Jesus everything on the cross, right? So because of that, therefore, sisters and brothers, in view of God's mercy, you're to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. See it in context now? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So God's will is to um, turn you into a worshiper because you were created and redeemed by Jesus for that very thing. And then he goes on to say this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So do not develop your value system by the standards of this world. Do not operate and make all of your decisions based upon the standards of this world, the values of this world. Instead, be transformed by the Holy Spirit the renewing of your mind. Because when you're transformed into Christ's likeness, the likeness of Christ, then you'll be able to test, he says, and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. How will we know God's will? When our mind is transformed from the ways of the world to the ways of God, we get a better understanding of God's heart, God's plan, God's purpose for the world, but also for me. Does that make sense? So our job is not to sift through the haystack with a magnifying glass trying to find the needle of God's will somewhere, like it's a secret to be found, like a treasure waiting to be found. Our Our job is simply to get in line with the Holy Spirit, to allow God to change our heart and mind. I like this image, to get into the river of God, to the flow of God, to the Spirit of God, and allow the current to take us to a place we never dreamed or imagined. Last week, we talked a lot about trading good for great, trading in perhaps good things for even greater things. And we talked about MLK, how he could have had a very comfortable job on the shores of Lake Erie at Northwestern. It was good, a lot of money. He would have been popular. But Dr. Martin Luther King made a greater choice to go back on the freedom train He went back to Montgomery and he traded good for great and the world changed through the power of God. And again, go ahead and go back into our channel and check out that message from last week. So overall, our job is not simply to find God's will as much as it is to follow God's will. Or I'd like to say, follow God's voice. So you're saying, okay, great, Miller, I get it, but what I wanna know is should I quit my job on Friday? (laughs) I'm going through a storm right now. Or is it bachelor number one, bachelor number two? Because we want to know those things because it's a lot easier if someone just hands it to us than, Lord, I just want to live in your will every day. I just want to be the person you'd want me to be. Shape me. Now, if someone says, well, come on, isn't there any verse that talks about what God's will is? Well, if you could only have time for one verse, I would take them to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. If someone says, I want to know the will of God for me, right here at Gingsburg today, take them to that verse. Now, I don't recommend that we only use one verse. That's dangerous. But if you only have time, and it's simply this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, read this. Why don't you read it together? Is it on the screen? Read that together so I don't feel all alone. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? What's God's big master plan? Well, here it is, black and white. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Right there. Underline that. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. No matter, you're just your every day getting out of bed, um, putting your socks on, brushing your teeth, eating your breakfast kind of life, going to work. God wants you just to give yourself as a living sacrifice every day. You say, okay, pastor, I'm getting it more. God's more concerned about who I'm becoming and who I am than simply what I do today. But do you have any navigational tools in this God's GPS system to apply to my life and everyday decisions? One of the things I love about um, our heritage in the Methodist church is that John Wesley said, we, God gave us a brain of common sense. And so we don't always have to get up every morning and ask, now, should I brush my teeth today? Should I tie my shoe today? God's concerned about the little things, but we can make those decisions. I hope you put on your deodorant today. I know I'm getting kind of personal, right? You don't have to just go to prayer about should I do that or not. I want to say from the pastor, go ahead and do that, <laughs> all right? But what about some more complicated questions? I want to encourage you to run them through the filter of God's word. There are so many different um, areas of life that God has already spoken through the power of his written word. And so we don't have to scratch our head and say, now I wonder if I should shoplift down here at the dollar store today. No, because God has already spoken through the law of Moses, of his heart, thou shalt not steal, meaning to honor other people's property. Or you may be thinking, you know, I've just been praying, I don't know, should I cheat on my spouse and go off with this other person? I wonder what God would say. Well, in the Ten Commandments, we are to respect one another, respect commitments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Some of you are saying, well, I just don't know if I should get along with my neighbor. Well, run it through the filter of God's word. We don't have to spend a lot of time asking God about it because Jesus already said to love your neighbor, what? As yourself. Well, should I forgive a person that's hurt me? I don't know. I need to ask God, should I? Well, forgive even your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, the Bible says. Should Gingsburg Church be concerned about the poor? Well, we have a story in the Bible. We have many, but one is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, what about those who are the marginalized or the outcasts who are hurting? Should we even care? Well, what does God's word say? The story of the good Samaritan. So many of these areas have been addressed and continue to be addressed. And we can have the authority of God's written word. Jesus is the living word. But, of course, he directed people to the written word. I love this passage of Scripture, Psalm 119.105. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark 
path. And so the word can direct our path. Amy Grant, years ago, uh, sang a song based upon this verse in the King James, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, we live in an age where people want signs, they want wonders, and they want to look everywhere into the stars, maybe uh, the horoscope or perhaps a psychic. Uh, we go and even some people, instead of just for, not for fun, for something more, we go to a Chinese restaurant, we look at the fortune cookie. And I know for most people, it's just kind of fun to get that and see what it says. But I mean, some people take that seriously. You, you read these, these sayings in there, right? Like, like the other day, one says, be careful of relationships. You're going to pass by somebody you don't know today. And I'm thinking, I just passed by 25 people by the coffee shop I didn't know. I mean, that's not helpful at all. And then people will seek out all kinds of directions. Some people go to psychics. I was down in Gatlinburg uh, over uh, Labor Day. And uh, I uh, was watching some people going into these psychics. And here, here they'll, they'll read your palm. They'll read and tear a card. They'll read your wallet. And they'll tell you what you want to hear or need to know. And then there are some people, they'll go to a friend, but if they don't hear what they want to hear, they'll go to 47 others until they find the right person. They'll tell you the right things. God says, don't do that. They're not your friends. <laughs> go to me. Let, me. let me guide you. If they're really psychic, they would have come to you first because <laughs> they know you were coming. And if they're really your friends, wouldn't they tell you the, the winning lottery numbers for next week? Instead, come to my word, come to my source, come to, come to the truth. Here's a scripture that I, that I love. Psalm 19, 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving light to the eyes. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving light to the eyes. So trust God's word. It, run things through the filter of God's word. When we go back to it again, if you're tracking with me, God's concerned about who you are and what you're becoming. You were created to be a worshiper. You were created to give your life fully in, in this beautiful relationship. And not only that, the next step is God wants to use you for a greater purpose God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. But the good news is he invites Gingsburg. He invites you personally to join him, to be a salt, to be a light to the nations, to be an ambassador, a representative of Jesus to others. And so here's one more verse today. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 9. The eyes of God moved from one end of the earth to the other that God might strongly support those who are completely his. I love that image because it's almost like God is scanning the universe. He's scanning this congregation for obedient hearts. He's scanning people who are fully yielded to say, Lord, today, I just want to be used by you. Put me in places I want to live in your will that others may come home. Well, I was praying a prayer like that, and I want to tell you a story. It's my final story. It's rather long, so hang in there. But I was praying a prayer, and I've not shared this story since I've been pastor here, but it's really shaped some of my views today. 
happened about 11 years ago. I was pastoring in Grove City, south of Columbus, and I um, was meeting with a a group of guys at Tim Hortons on Broadway, and they were my biker buddies. They were my Bible study, and we'd meet every Saturday morning, and um, we would pray, and sometimes we would study scripture, and other times we'd read books. And so we came across a book written by a retired pastor, Gene Skipworth, entitled Wear Your Collar, Wear Your Collar, not a biker collar like they wear their patches, but it was, it was a play on words, Wear Your Clerical Collar, where he was a motorcyclist, but he was a pastor. And Gene Skipworth, I had a personal connection with him. He was a pastor in my hometown of Zanesville when I was in high school. Now, he was not my pastor, but he was a pastor of the Methodist Church across the street from Zanesville High School. But the book was about his time when he was just out of seminary. His first church, he was appointed to the west side of Cincinnati in the inner city from 1967 to 1970. And he had a special ministry to the biker gangs of Cincinnati. It didn't start that way, but through a series of events, and this is in the book, I want to say if you ever want to pick up that book, I think it's still on Amazon. He has these different incidents where he became the treasurer of the most notorious biker gang in Cincinnati at the time, not at first because they liked him, but because they couldn't trust one another, so they wanted someone else, the preacher, to handle their money. The gang was called the Iron Horsemen, and they were very much known at the time, a really rough gang, more so than the Hell's Angels. And it was about his interactions. So we we started reading the book. And here's one part out of the book. This is on page 110. This will give you a little sample. He's talking about one of the bikers that had the nickname Crazy Horse. Crazy Horse, one of the horsemen, that was the biker gang, told me while we were waiting in a hearse after I conducted a funeral for a mother of one of the horsemen, preacher, you must take this Jesus stuff seriously. We come to a funeral of a biker's mother dressed like psycho trash and looking like blank, 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 I won't say that word, and you acted like you didn't even notice. And you talk today about her new life and all that she has in Christ. And then he asked this question, where are you trying to go with all this? Skip says, I told him that was not in my hands. I don't know where God will go with all this. I just know that we all have a chance to have a new life in Christ. So that's part of the book that we were reading. So because I had this connection with him from the past, I looked him up online and I found that he was a retired pastor living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I found him on Facebook, and so we started a friendship. I said, hey, hey, Skip. Now, his name's Gene Skipworth, but they called him Skip. We're up here in Columbus, and every week we're reading your book. So he started interacting, and then, and this is January, February of 11, he sends me this surprise message, and it was this. Now, get this. This is true stuff here. I love this. Dennis, a minister in Tampa, Florida, just called, and he said, He got the book on Amazon and read it. He asked, do you know what happened to Crazy Horse, the Iron Horseman from Cincinnati? I told him the last time I had heard he was killed several years ago. He said, oh no, he's a member of my church here in Florida. 
talk about a surprise. We talked some more, and the pastor suggested I come down for a weekend and surprise Crazy Horse. So we are going down this weekend. On Saturday night, the pastor is planning a, this is your life, Crazy Horse. Can't make this stuff up, can you? I'm going down last and read the portion on page 110 of the book in which Crazy Horse is making a comment to me about the message I gave at a funeral for the horseman's mother. He writes this, this coming weekend is great affirmation for me that my ministry to the gangs in Cincinnati was not in vain. To think this guy has joined the church. Crazy Horse was tough as nails. He was the enforcer for the horseman. This coming weekend is going to be unbelievable. Then he writes this, I have not seen Crazy Horse since 1974 when he was being sent to the Terre Haute, Indiana Federal Prison. They had stolen a bazooka from the National Guard Armory in Cincinnati to use to blow down the meeting house of the outlaws in Crawfordsville, Indiana. (laughs) I will tell you more about it when I get back next week. Now, can you imagine getting a message like this? I go to Bible, you better be sure. I was at Bible study at Tim Hortons that Saturday morning. I said, gang, you can't believe this stuff. And then we're all on pins and needles. What's going to happen? We knew he was going down to Tampa that weekend. I was waiting for Monday morning. Monday morning, I get this message in my inbox right here. He goes, Dennis, I just got back last night from Tampa. It was one of the most fantastic, exciting, emotional weekends of my life. If someone would have told me in 1971 that Crazy Horse would have found Jesus and joined the church, I would have told them they were nuts. It was hard to fathom the change in him. Saturday at the church, which was called the Salvation Saloon, they met in a bar, okay? Saturday night, they did a, quote, this is your life, crazy horse. I appeared last and blew him away. It was unbelievable, emotional experience. Then I preached on Sunday. It was a packed house. In my sermon, I quoted Crazy Horse on page 110 when he asked, Preacher, where are you trying to go with all this Jesus stuff? I closed my sermon in Tampa by saying, here. You get it? Here. 40 years later, here. That's all I needed. I got on the phone I was shaking. The guys in my group in Columbus, they were shaking. I got a hold of Skip. I said, we got to get you up here in Columbus. I said, we got to get Crazy Horse. How can we get a hold of him? He gave me Crazy Horse's number. I called down to Florida. And after Crazy Horse just had a heart attack, a preacher from Columbus was calling him. (laughs) He heard me. I said, we want you to come up. We'd like you to speak at my church here in Columbus. No, he didn't want to come, to be honest, at first. Because he said, you know, 30, 40 years, there's still some people out there in Ohio that may not want to see me. (laughs) But Skip got on the phone with him. We said we'd fly him, fly him up. We'd put him in the best hotel in Columbus if he'd come and just share his testimony. And he agreed to do it. We had the day. Now, I'd spread the word all over, not only in my church, but all over. Called Bishop O. He was a bishop at the time. Said, you got to get down here. Had the DS come down here. Said, we're going to welcome this guy home. And I, I kind of prepped the congregation. We called, told the story. The day came, the summer June, I think it was June, July, 2011, over a thousand people came out. This room, 
totally packed, 800, maybe more. It was just so full. People standing around the walls. Can you see it? People not even able to get in. Right, Rachel? It was an absolutely amazing day. And a lot of energy in the room. He stood up. The place stood up in a standing ovation. He was so excited, he even called Bishop O the Pope. (laughs) Well, to wrap things up, Crazy Horse passed away just a few years ago. But here's where I'm going with all this. It was about two weeks later of this big event. I was in my car and I got on my cell phone, one of those calls that sometimes you wonder, should you pick up from an area code that you don't know where it's coming from? But I did. And it was Crazy Horse. He says, is this the preacher? Is this Dennis from Ohio? He says, this is Crazy Horse from Florida. I said, hey, Crazy Horse. He said, I just wanted to call to tell you that that day that I came home back to Ohio, it was the greatest day of my life. He said, I want you to know for the rest of my life that I love Jesus and I want to tell the world of what he's done for me. And I hung up that phone in that car, shed a few tears, and I said, thank you, Jesus. I was made for this. You created me for this. I knew in that moment I was right in the will of God, that God would use all of us, a group of guys meeting in Tim Hortons, a church just trying to reach misfits that no one else wanted. We were created for this. See, what I'm trying to say to you today is that God's will for your life is much more than bachelor number one, bachelor number two, bachelor number three. Door number one, door number two, door number three. The day God is calling us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to get in the river of God, and then allow God to take you to a place with people to fulfill his plan, his dream that's fully found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to go with me? Are you willing? This could be the day today. Lord, I thank you and praise you for what you're doing in our lives, that you've called us out of darkness into a wondrous light. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a great plan that's better than we can ever dream or imagine if we just not simply spend our time searching and finding, but instead following, listening to your voice today. That's our heart. Use us. May we say the words, here I am, here we are. Send us. Send us as a church as well, that we could be that kind of church to welcome people home to Jesus. And in the end, We'll know that we'll live in your perfect will. For this we pray and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you, 
and you'd like more people to hear it. You can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.